Section 1 of The History of Emily Montague, Volume 4, by Francis Moore Brooke. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Cast List Emily Montague, read by J. M. Smallhair. Colonel Edward Rivers, read by Jim Locke. Arabella Firma, read by Matea Bracic. Captain J. Fitzgerald, read by Larry Wilson. John Temple, read by Alan Mapstone. Fanny Williams, read by Avayi. The Earl of Hamburg, read by Kevin S. Narrated by Lynette. Letters 181 through 190. Letter 181. To Colonel Rivers at Belfield, Rutland. Rose Hill, September 17th. Can you in earnest ask such a question? Can you suppose I ever felt the least degree of love for Sir George? No, my rivers, never did your Emily feel tenderness till she saw the loveliest, the most amiable of his sex, till those eyes spoke the sentiments of a soul every idea of which was similar to her own. Yes, my rivers, our souls have the most perfect resemblance. I never heard you speak without finding the feelings of my own heart developed. Your conversation conveyed your Emily's ideas, but clothed in the language of angels. I thought well of Sir George. I saw him as the man destined to be my husband. I fancied he loved me, and that gratitude obliged me to a return, carried away by the ardor of my friends for this marriage. I rather suffered than approved his addresses. I had not courage to resist the torrent, I therefore gave way to it. I loved no other. I fancied my want of affection a native coldness of temper. I felt a languid esteem, which I endeavored to flatter myself was love. But the moment I saw you, the delusion vanished. Your eyes, my rivers, in one moment convinced me I had a heart. You stayed some weeks with us in the country. With what transport do I recollect those pleasing moments? How did my heart beat? whenever you approached me. What charms did I find in your conversation? I heard you talk with a delight of which I was not mistress. I fancied every woman who saw you felt the same emotions. My tenderness increased imperceptibly without my perceiving the consequences of my indulging the dear pleasure of seeing you. I found I loved, yet was doubtful of your sentiments. My heart, however, flattered me. Yours was equally affected. My situation prevented an explanation, but love has a thousand ways of making himself understood. How dear to me were those soft, those delicate attentions which told me all you felt for me without communicating it to others. Do you remember that day, my rivers, when sitting in the little Hawthorne Grove near the borders of the river, the rest of the company, of which Sir George was one, ran to look at a ship that was passing? I would have followed you asked me to stay, by a look which it was impossible to mistake. Nothing could be more imprudent than my stay, yet I had not resolution to refuse what I saw gave you pleasure. I stayed. You pressed my hand. You regarded me with a look of unutterable love. My rivers, from that dear moment, your Emily vowed never to be another's. She vowed not to sacrifice all the happiness of her life to a romantic parade of fidelity to a man whom she had been betrayed into receiving as a lover. She resolved, if necessary, 
to own to him the tenderness with which you had inspired her, to entreat from his esteem, from his compassion, a release from engagements which made her wretched. My heart burns with the love of virtue. I am tremblingly alive to fame. What bitterness then must have been my portion had I first seen you when the wife of another. Such is the powerful sympathy that unites us, that I fear, that virtue, that strong sense of honor and fame, so powerful in minds most turned to tenderness, would only have served to make more poignant the pangs of hopeless, despairing love. How blessed am I that we met before my situation made it a crime to love you. I shudder at the idea how wretched I might have been had I seen you a few months later. I am just returned from a visit at a few miles' distance. I find a letter from my dear Belle that she will be here tomorrow. How do I long to see her, to talk to her of my rivers? I am interrupted. Adieu. Yours, Emily Montague. Letter 182 To Mrs. Temple, Rose Hill, September 18, Morning I have this moment my dear Mrs. Temple's letter. She will imagine my transport at the happy event she mentions. My dear Rivers has, in some degree, sacrificed even filial affection to his tenderness for me. The consciousness of this has ever cast a damp on the pleasure I should otherwise have felt at the prospect of spending my life with the most excellent of mankind. I shall now be his, without the painful reflection of having lessened the enjoyments of the best parent that ever existed. I should be blessed indeed, my amiable friend, if I did not suffer from my too anxious tenderness. I dread the possibility of my becoming in time less dear to your brother. I love him to such excess that I could not survive the loss of his affection. There is no distress, no want, I could not bear with delight for him. But if I lose his heart, I lose all for which life is worth keeping. Could I bear to see those looks of ardent love converted into the cold glances of indifference? You will, my dearest friend, pity a heart whose too great sensibility wounds itself. Why should I fear? Was ever tenderness equal to that of my rivers? Can a heart like his change from caprice? It shall be the business of my life to merit his tenderness. I will not give way to fears which injure him, and, indulged, would destroy all my happiness. I expect Mr. and Mrs. Fitzgerald every moment. Adieu. Your affectionate, Emily Montague. Letter 183 To Captain Fitzgerald Belfield, September 17. You say true, my dear Fitzgerald, friendship like love is more the child of sympathy than of reason, though inspired by qualities very opposite to those which give love. It strikes like that in a moment. Like that, it is free as air, and when constrained, loses all its spirit. In both, from some nameless cause, at least some cause to us incomprehensible, the affections take fire the instant two persons whose minds are in unison observe each other which however they may often meet without doing it is therefore as impossible for others to point out objects of our friendship as love our choice must be uninfluenced if we wish to find happiness in either 
cold lifeless esteem may grow from a long tasteless acquaintance but real affection makes a sudden and lively impression this impression is improved is strengthened by time and a more intimate knowledge of the merit of the person who makes it but it is it must be spontaneous or be nothing i felt this sympathy powerfully in regard to yourself i had the strongest partiality for you before i knew how very worthy you were of my esteem your countenance and manner made an impression on me which inclined me to take your virtues upon trust it is not always safe to depend on these preventive feelings but in general the face is a pretty faithful index of the mind i propose being in town in four or five days twelve o'clock my mother has this moment a second letter from her relation who is coming home and proposes a marriage between me and his daughter to whom he will give twenty thousand pounds now and the rest of his fortune at his death as emily's fault if love can allow her one is an excess of romantic generosity the fault of most uncorrupted female minds i am very anxious to marry her before she knows of this proposal lest she should think it a proof of tenderness to aim at making me wretched in order to make me rich i therefore entreat you and mrs fitzgerald to stay at rose hill and prevent her coming to town till she is mine past the power of retreat our relation may have mentioned his design to persons less prudent than our little party and she may hear of it if she is in london but independently of my fear of her spirit of romance i feel that it would be an indelicacy to let her know of this proposal at present and look like attempting to make a merit of my refusal it is not to you my dear friend i need say the gifts of fortune are nothing to me without her for whose sake alone i wish to possess them you know my heart and you also know this is the sentiment of every man who loves but i can with truth say much more i do not even wish an increase of fortune considering it abstractedly from its being incompatible with my marriage with the loveliest of women i am indifferent to all but independence wealth would not make me happier on the contrary it might break in on my present little plan of enjoyment by forcing me to give to common acquaintance of whom wealth will always attract a crowd those precious hours devoted to friendship and domestic pleasure i think my present income just what a wise man would wish and very sincerely join in the philosophical prayer of the royal prophet give me neither poverty nor riches i love the veil and had always an aversion to very extensive prospects i will hasten my coming as much as possible and hope to be at rose hill on monday next i shall be a prey to anxiety till emily is irrevocably mine tell mrs fitzgerald i am all impatience to kiss her hand your affectionate ed rivers letter one eighty four to captain fermor richmond september eighteenth i am this moment returned to richmond from a journey i am rejoiced at your arrival and impatient to see you for i am so happy as not to have outlived my impatience how is my little bell i am as much in love with her as ever this you will conceal from captain fitzgerald lest he should be alarmed for i am as formidable a rival as a man of fourscore can be supposed to be i am extremely obliged to you my dear fermor for having introduced me to a very amiable man in your friend colonel rivers 
i begin to be so sensible that i am an old fellow that i feel a very lively degree of gratitude to the young ones who visit me and look on every agreeable new acquaintance under thirty as an acquisition i had no right to expect you know i have always thought personal advantages of much more real value than accidental ones and that those who possessed the former had much the greatest right to be proud youth health beauty understanding are substantial goods wealth and title comparatively ideal ones i therefore think a young man who condescends to visit an old one the healthy who visit the sick the man of sense who spends his time with a fool and even a handsome fellow with an ugly one are the persons who confer the favor whatever difference there may be in rank or fortune colonel rivers did me the honor to spend a day with me here and i have not often lately passed a pleasanter one the desire i had not to discredit your partial recommendation and my very strong inclinations to seduce him to come again made me entirely discard the old man and i believe your friend will tell you the hours did not pass on leaden wings i expect you with mr and mrs fitzgerald to pass some time with me at richmond i have the best claret in the universe and as lively a relish for it as at five and twenty adieu your affectionate h letter one eighty five to colonel rivers at belfield rutland rose hill september eighteenth since i sent away my letter i have your last you tell me my dear rivers the strong emotion i betrayed at seeing sir george when you came together to montreal made you fear i loved him that you were jealous of the blush which glowed on my cheek when he entered the room that you still remember it with regret that you still fancy i had once some degree of tenderness for him and beg me to account for the apparent confusion i betrayed at his sight i own that emotion my confusion was indeed too great to be concealed but was he alone my rivers can you forget that he had with him the most lovely of mankind sir george was handsome i have often regarded his person with admiration but it was the admiration we give to a statue i listened coldly to his love i felt no emotion at his sight but when you appeared my heart beat i blushed i turned pale by turns my eyes assumed a new softness i trembled and every pulse confessed the master of my soul my friends are come i am called down adieu be assured your emily never breathed a sigh but for her rivers adieu yours emily montague letter one hundred eighty six to colonel rivers at belfield rutland london september eighteenth i have this moment your letter we are setting out in ten minutes for rose hill where i will finish this and hope to give you a pleasing account of your emily you are certainly right in keeping this proposal secret at present depend on our silence i could however wish you the fortune were it possible to have it without the lady were i to praise your delicacy on this occasion i should injure you it was not in your power to act differently you are only consistent with yourself i am pleased with your idea of a situation a house embosomed in the grove where all the view is what the eye can take in speaks a happy master content at home a wide extended prospect one who is looking abroad for happiness i love the country 
The taste for rural scenes is the taste born with us. After seeking pleasure in vain amongst the works of art, we are forced to come back to the point from whence we set out, and find our enjoyment in the lovely simplicity of nature. Rose Hill Evening I'm afraid Emily knows your secret. She has been in tears almost ever since we came. The servant is going to the post office, and I have but a moment to tell you we will stay here till your arrival, which you will hasten as much as possible. Adieu. Your affectionate J. Fitzgerald. Letter 187 To Colonel Rivers at Belfield Rutland, Rose Hill, September 18. If I was not certain of your esteem and friendship, my dear Rivers, I should tremble at the request I am going to make you. It is to suspend our marriage for some time, and not ask me the reason of this delay. Be assured of my tenderness, be assured my whole soul is yours, that you are dearer to me than life, that I love you as never woman loved, that I live, I breathe, but for you, that I would die to make you happy. In what words shall I convey to the most beloved of his sex the ardent tenderness of my soul? How convince him of what I suffer from being forced to make a request so contrary to the dictates of my heart? He cannot, will not doubt his Emily's affection. I cannot support the idea that it is possible he should for one instant. What I suffer at this moment is inexpressible. My heart is too agitated to say more. I will write again in a few days. I know not what I would say, but indeed, my rivers, I love you. You yourself can scarce form an idea to what excess. Adieu, your faithful Emily Montague. Letter 188 To Miss Montague, Rose Hill, Berkshire, Belfield, September 20 No, Emily, you never loved. I have been long hurt by your tranquillity in regard to our marriage. Your too scrupulous attention to decorum in leaving my sister's house might have alarmed me if love had not placed a bandage before my eyes. Cruel girl, I repeat it, you never loved. I have your friendship, but you know nothing of that ardent passion, that dear enthusiasm, which makes us indifferent to all but itself. Your love is from the imagination, not the heart. The very professions of tenderness in your last are a proof of your consciousness of indifference you repeat too often that you love me you say too much that anxiety to persuade me of your affection shows too plainly you are sensible i have reason to doubt it you have placed me on the rack a thousand fears a thousand doubts succeed each other in my soul has some happier man no my emily distracted as i am i will not be unjust i do not suspect you of inconstancy tis of your coldness only i complain you never felt the lively impatience of love or you would not condemn a man whom you at least esteem to suffer longer its unutterable tortures if there is a real cause for this delay why conceal it from me have i not a right to know what so nearly interests me but what cause are you not mistress of yourself my emily you blush to own to me the insensibility of your heart you once fancied you loved you are ashamed to say you were mistaken you cannot surely have been influenced by any motive relative to our fortune no idle tale can have made you retract a promise which rendered me the happiest of mankind if i have your heart i am richer than an oriental monarch 
short as life is my dearest girl is it of consequence what part we play in it is wealth at all essential to happiness the tender affections are the only sources of true pleasure the highest the most respectable titles in the eye of reason are the tender ones of friend of husband and of father it is from the dear soft ties of social love your rivers expects his felicity you have but one way my dear emily to convince me of your tenderness i shall set off for rose hill in twelve hours you must give me your hand the moment i arrive or confess your rivers was never dear to you write and send a servant instantly to meet me at my mother's house in town i cannot support the torment of suspense there is not on earth so wretched a being as i am at this moment i never knew till now to what excess i loved you must be mine my emily or i must cease to live letter one hundred and eighty nine to captain fitzgerald rose hill berkshire belfield september twenty all i feared has certainly happened emily has undoubtedly heard of this proposal and from a parade of generosity a generosity however inconsistent with love wishes to postpone our marriage till my relation arrives i am hurt beyond words at the manner in which she has wrote to me on this subject i have in regard to sir george experienced that these are not the sentiments of a heart truly enamoured i therefore fear this romantic step is the effect of a coldness of which i thought her incapable and that her affection is only a more lively degree of friendship with which i will own to you my heart will not be satisfied i would engrace i would employ i would absorb every faculty of that lovely mind i have too long suffered prudence to delay my happiness i cannot longer live without her if she loves me i shall on tuesday call her mine adieu i shall be with you almost as soon as this letter your affectionate ed rivers letter one ninety to colonel rivers clarges street rose hill september twenty one is it then possible can my rivers doubt his emily's tenderness do i only esteem you my rivers can my eyes have so ill explained the feelings of my heart you accuse me of not sharing your impatience do you then allow nothing to the modesty the blushing delicacy of my sex could you see into my soul you would cease to call me cold and insensible can you forget my rivers those moments when doubtful of the sentiments of your heart mine every instant betrayed its weakness when every look spoke the resistless fondness of my soul when lost in the delight of seeing you i forgot i was almost the wife of another but i will say no more my rivers tells me i have already said too much he is displeased with his emily's tenderness he complains that i tell him too often i love him you say i can give but one certain proof of my affection i will give you that proof i will be yours whenever you please though ruin should be the consequence to both i despise every other consideration when my river's happiness is at stake is there any request he is capable of making which his emily will refuse you are the arbiter of my fate i have no will but yours yet i entreat you to believe no common cause could have made me hazard giving a moment's pain to that dear bosom you will one time know to what excess i have loved you were the empire of the world or your affection offered me 
I should not hesitate one moment on the choice, even were I certain never to see you more. I cannot form an idea of happiness equal to that of being beloved by the most amiable of mankind. Judge, then, if I would lightly wish to defer an event which is to give me the transport of passing my life in the dear employment of making him happy. I only entreat that you will decline asking me till I judge proper to tell you why I first begged our marriage might be deferred. Let it be till then forgot I ever made such a request. You will not, my dear Rivers, refuse this proof of complacence to her who too plainly shows she can refuse you nothing. Adieu. Yours, Emily Montague. End of section one.